All right, everybody, welcome. You are listening to How Do You Feel About It? Stories with Friends, and I'm Phil Caruso. I'm very excited to finally get this up and running. Been wanting to run this series for a long time now. And uh, the real backstory behind this is I think um, there's plenty we can learn and um, obtain from friends and uh, people that we know in terms of their journey and their story. This is a kind of a lack of content that I've been trying to consume for a while. And I figured why not go to the people closest to us and learn what what they've had to to deal with, to struggle with, um, some of their accomplishments. And I know I can learn from every single person that I know, and hopefully you guys can too. And that's what I'm hoping to deliver here with this podcast. So without further ado, I want to get going and jump to our first guest, who is a very close friend of mine. And I really appreciate him being willing to be the first episode of the podcast and kind of happens at a funny time. We've been wanting to get him set up for this for months and months. And then COVID-19 happens and it's very difficult to interview people in person. So he's going to be coming through the uh, video audio but he has an amazing story. He is the owner of Ashton Sharp Insurance. He is a past Iron Man and someone I grew up with and really, really look up to. His name is Gus Altazara. And thank you so much, Gus, for coming. Why don't we uh, jump in and tell everybody a little bit more about you? And let's get this off and running. California. All right, Gus. Thanks for coming down, buddy. How was the drive? It was actually really easy, you know, given that it's uh, COVID-19 time, there's there's no cars on the highway. I think it took me 40 minutes to get down here. That's got to be a record. Yeah, I, I've been setting time records in my car driving around. <laughs> that reminds me of the record you set in the boat uh, a few years back from Dana Point Harbor to Newport Harbor. I think it was 22 minutes. Or- yeah, you can you can hop around pretty quick if there's not, not a big swell, you know? Well, I appreciate you coming down regardless. I'm sure it's nice to see some... Uh, some people not through a Zoom video. Yeah, it's kind of a tease. You know, I'm, I'm here with you, but I'm looking at you through a, a glass wall. So we're, we're kind of together, but we're still socially distant. I like the office, Phil. I like the, the red accent. Like, it's a very clean Thank you. office. And yeah. I, like, I like the area, too, this Corona Del Mar. I mean, I could see myself living here one day. I, I would say you'd be a very lucky man to live in Corona Del Mar. And it's very cool to uh, come here and walk to lunch and get coffee. It's a little bit more social. I think it's the brick and mortar type of uh, office that it's like retail style, lifestyle. Yeah. Next time I'm down here and it's not, uh, everything's not closed for COVID, we'll have to uh, go out to some lunch or just walk around, you know? hundred percent. Absolutely. Thanks for having me, Phil. <laughs> of course. So uh, let's dive in. It's crazy. We, we've known each other for so long. We have so many experiences. I always remember you doing some pretty epic things. Uh, you were pretty humble. I remember vividly I was swimming with you one day and I forget we were in Mexico or Cancun and I dropped a camera to the bottom of the ocean and I said, oh I my gosh, that. that has all of our photos from the trip. And you said, hang on a second and jumped off the boat and dove straight down to the bottom. You came up with the camera and a handful of sand. <laughs> I remember that. I Amazing. you know I used to used to lifeguard. I lifeguarded junior, senior year in high school, and then freshman year of college. So I think it was three years, and I did junior lifeguards. So uh, I was never that like an sense. exceptional swimmer, swimmer per se, compared to like the water polo kids and stuff. But you know, I could I could hold my own, I guess. So you mentioned college. Tell us where you went, and um, where you know where you've gone since then. 
so college uh, out of high school, I got. I remember I got into LMU, U of A, and San Diego State. Uh, I know you and a handful of our friends, you know, ended up going to U of A. So I was kind of torn where I was going to go. I, I think I ended up choosing San Diego State. Um, it, you know, I kind of wanted I kind of wanted my own own path in a way, and I but I did want to go to a kind of a fun big school. So you know, San Diego sure. felt uh, far enough from home, but kind of close to home. Um, I was a um, business management and entrepreneurship major. Um, you know, I, my dad had always kind of had his own company, and I kind of knew I wanted my own company. So, uh, you know, did the entrepreneurship program, and I didn't really know how um, good the entrepreneurship program was at San Diego State. But in hindsight, um, there was a, the Lavin program, which was a kind of an entrepreneurship program there, which you know, there were a lot of friends that I knew that started their own businesses and have been real successful in the last, you know, 10 years or so. So, um, yeah, it was, it, was a, it was a great time, fun experience, had a lot of fun. I was in a fraternity, Sigma Chi, uh, which consumed a lot of the time down there, um, but met a lot of good friends. Um, it was a great experience all around. Yeah, what a great place to go to school. I remember we toured some campuses together. Your mom actually drove a few of us out uh, to Arizona and uh, remember Kanye West performed at U of A. Yeah, that's right. We drove out to U of A together. I thought we were going to go three for three on all of us going there, but I remember that was a fun experience, and I'm kind of happy to see that we all had our own different uh, paths we took. So college led you into the business world. So you own a company now mm-hmm. at 30 years old, and I think, what, what year did you start your company? I started the company in 2012, October 1st of 2012. So, so almost after graduation, what did you do before starting the company? So I, uh, you know, growing up, I had heard my dad kind of throw insurance, you know, just talk about insurance and say it's a good business. Uh, and we had a good, a couple of family friends that were in the business uh, that had done well. So I was just kind of intrigued by it. Um, so I took an internship with Northwestern Mutual. Um, it was like September of 2011. So going into my senior year, so my whole senior year, I had an internship in insurance. Um, great experience. They, um, you know, I learned a lot in terms of like the actual insurance products and then also kind of sales. Um, but I don't know if you know anything about Northwestern. You reach out to a lot of friends and family, which was which was okay at the time. But I, I kind of decided you know, I don't like calling on friends and family for business as much. You know, I like doing business with friends and family, but it doesn't feel good when it's forced. So I, I got I learned a lot from Northwestern Mutual, but uh, you know, at the end of the day, decided it wasn't for me. I I, I was intern I earned intern there for a year and then went full time for about four months and then quit my job about four months after graduating, five months after graduating, and decided to start my own thing. Wow, that's impressive. I remember when you were there for a short stint, and I remember you telling me that you left the company and you were starting your own. And at that point, you're 22 or 23 years old. Yeah, 22. And that was pretty mind-blowing to hear. So I guess let's let's chat about that, because this episode of the podcast, I'm I chose you. I really want to focus on determination, entrepreneurship, uh, mindset. And I imagine your mindset starting a company at 22, 23. So tell us how you got started and tell us the name. So the name of the company is Aston Sharp. Um, I think when I, when I started the company, you know, I didn't really have any idea 
what I wanted to create or, or how I would create it. Um, I was, you know, I'm kind of the person to just, you know, before I know exactly what to do, I just get started. And I think when you get started, you kind of figure it out along the way. So when I started the company in, in October 2012, I, I had no idea what I was doing or <laughs> what I wanted the company to be or, or do. Uh, it, it was basically I was in a position, I, I left Northwestern Mutual and I had closed a couple of deals right before leaving. So I had about a year's worth of income saved. Um, so I didn't have to get a job immediately. And I think that's key when you start a business is you need, I call it runway uh, to get off the ground. Because when you start a business, you're not going to start making money immediately. So whether someone else is funding you or you have your own savings, you need some sort of you know financial backing to get off the off the ground. How long is it going to you know take to get your first dollar and then and then be self sufficient? So yeah, I I I quit my job and uh, the first thing I did was I I got an office. I was living I was still living in San Diego uh, at the time, so I got an office at a co working space. Co working spaces were a brand new thing in downtown San Diego, and. Uh, I would literally just go to the office. Uh, I would sit down at the desk and I'd be like, you know, I, I don't, I don't know what I'm going to do today, but you know, I, I, if I'm going to start a company, I better start working. Um, and I actually was going to get out of insurance. I, I started um, working with my dad a little bit, trading mortgage notes. Uh, he had a company, a fund, um, and I was going to start trading some of his in- inventory. So I was going to call on real estate agents to see if you know any of their clients wanted to buy mortgage notes, and. In the process of doing that, going to the office every day, I, I ended up meeting a couple of individuals that had a company that was generating um, online consumer leads for disability insurance. And, um, you know, I had let them know that I I'd kind of knew the insurance industry from my experience at Northwestern Mutual. And they were like, hey, you know, it's not going to take full time, but, you know, what if we just start sending you a few leads you can get on the phone with some of the consumers, you know, if you can sell some of them, you know, we'll split the commission 50 50. And, you know, at the time I didn't have much else to do. So I was like, yeah, you know, let's, let's, let's give it a shot. Wait. So that's interesting. You, that's the good thing about going to the office and, and sitting there and joining a co-working networking uh, office because you met these guys who were actually marketing to a business and insurance or segment that you felt you could. Yeah. And it, at that point in time, I wasn't because now I sell to businesses, but at that time, uh, it was more to individuals. So they were they were actually generating leads for cons- like individual consumers, like individual insurance products. Got it. So, so yeah, I think you know, I remember my dad told me this, and it's kind of stuck with me since. Like when my dad was starting his company, uh, he he didn't he wasn't lucky enough to be in a co working space, but what he said is he he'd wake up in the morning. Uh, he'd take a shower, he'd, he'd get dressed in a full suit and tie, uh, walk downstairs, go into the office, hang up his suit coat, and start working for the day. This is when he was starting his company. He had nothing to do yet, but I think there's something about like starting your day, getting dressed, like getting into the proper state of mind. Uh, the you know, routine behind it, and I know exactly. a, lot of us, a lot of us need that. Not everyone has perfected it. I know I have not. So that's great advice from him. So you would go to the office, you met these guys, you're marketing to the right people. Tell us if you remember how you got your first customer. Um, so yeah, my first customer, um, okay, what was his name? I think it was, I think it was William. 
or something like that. I, I remember because I, I was so shocked that he bought insurance from me. <laughs> you know, I was like, I didn't really know what I was doing. I was kind of flying by the seat of my pants, like throwing numbers around, kind of faking it till you make it, so mm-hmm. to speak. And, you know, he's like, yeah, I want to move forward. What do I do? And I was like, uh, let me find out. <laughs> so uh, you kind of just start talking to people. Someone, you know, this guy was, I was lucky enough to he said yes and then you know you you kind of talk to someone hey how do we get this application process how do we put it in force um you know i think it was a small deal might have made like a thousand bucks or fifteen hundred bucks off the first first client but uh and it definitely didn't pay my bills at the time but it you know it was a small step in in the right direction you know yeah no i that's that's what it takes and as you've begun to grow i mean you still run this same company now you're 30 years old so you've been in it quite a quite a long time do you remember when you got your first employee or partner, however you want to frame that? I think that was, I remember you told me I just hired somebody and I thought that was incredible just at that, you were probably yeah. like 24, 25. Yeah, I actually, uh, I hired uh, as soon, like I think right after, like on my fourth or fifth or sixth deal that I closed, I immediately wanted to stop doing some of the the busy work that I felt like uh, wasn't very a productive use of my time. So I actually hired this lady her name was Heidi I think she was maybe 30 I was 22 um maybe found her on Craigslist or something like that and uh (laughs) and uh you know I was just paying I was just paying her pretty I think it was a part-time role and um you know while I was on the phone with consumers and getting leads when something would sell I kind of taught her how to do the application paperwork and how to you know process all the underwriting and she would kind of just assist me in, in pushing those through so right away you realized what you wanted to be doing and what you could have someone else be doing you played like red light yellow light green light exactly. Green lights all the stuff you want to do yellow lights all the stuff that you you can be doing if you didn't have help red lights the stuff you do not want to do you could pass on that's pretty amazing to recognize that so quickly uh, that that's how you grow a business yeah so that's that's great and then take it from there so um i think i think phase one of me starting the business was just get on get on my feet financially for myself um like i you know i saw the value in having an assistant but you know the idea of hiring a salesperson or partners wasn't even in the scope yet you know so i just had to get on my feet financially um so yeah there were a few different relationships you know built off that first one that i that i had met and then um, met a few similar to that digitally, you know, a, a group up in, in, uh, Oregon that I did some business with. Um, so I think by, you know, 2014 ish, uh, you know, it took a couple of years to get on my feet financially. It was basically your bank account is going down every month and then you kind of start making more deals and more sales and slowly you're kind of offsetting it. And then finally you're getting to a point where like you're making as much money as, you're spending, but you're not like, like making a bunch of money yet. You just, you're just, okay, I'm, I'm floating. I've like, I've, I'm in control of my time and I'm making, uh, you know, I can sustain myself financially. And that's what that was maybe yeah, 2014 or early 2015 that I finally got on my feet. That's gotta be, that's gotta be a good feeling. Uh, what about the most memorable experience so far running it? The most memorable experience, um, you know, I'd say the there's I'd say the the worst moment, and then probably one of the best moments more recently. Um, I'd say the one of the worst moments was uh, it might have been 2016, and I you know I, I I I was on my feet selling to individuals, but I didn't think there was enough um, 
opportunity to really grow a company out of it. So I, I wanted to switch to um, selling companies and doing insurance for companies, commercial insurance. Uh, and that transition was a lot harder than uh, than I originally thought. So I was on my feet financially selling to individuals, but you know, from 2015 to 2017 or 18, had to transition to businesses. Uh, and I remember there was uh, I talked to my mom a lot uh, about the business and my dad, but. Um, this particular moment, I remember talking to my mom and, uh, you know, I just lost a couple of deals that would have really gotten us ahead, uh, that I was kind of expecting. And, um, they ended up not going through. And I, I remember I told her, mom, I don't think I can do this anymore. Like, uh, uh like these other companies are, are winning the deals. I, I can't do it. Uh, and so I told her, I think I'm, I'm thinking about quitting. I'm going to, I'm going to take a couple job interviews uh, with some larger agencies, maybe stay in the business, but I just don't think, you know, I'm going to be able to make it on my own. Uh, so I, I ended up going and taking a couple of job interviews. Um, and I remember I was, I was sitting there in the job interview and like <laughs> it, it, being in that job interview just made me realize that I, I was on the right path doing my own thing. And it made me realize how much I, I didn't want to work for someone else. Just that that one job interview. So I remember that that following day, I came back after the job interview. My my energy was kind of replenished, uh, and I, I felt hopeful and, and kind of recommitted to the journey I was on. And um, uh, but I do remember that being like a turning point, like almost giving up on the business. I think that was in probably 2015. Um, yeah, that's got to be pretty humbling. Yeah. When you're sitting there getting ready to interview, you're almost ready to to quit. And that that snaps in your head and you go, you know what, this is this is what I want to do. I want to run my own company. Yeah. Just just keep just keep going one foot in front of the other because, uh, yeah, there's some difficult days. And then I'd say uh, one of the one of the best moments more recently, uh, just actually in February, uh, my my dad uh, started working with me at the company maybe a year and a half, two years ago. Uh, just as a little side gig, so to speak. And it's, it's fun to work with your data. You have some experience with that as well, huh? Oh, I'm so blessed to do that. It's a lot of people don't get to see their parents as often as they wish. And you know, it, it's amazing. There's a lot to learn from, from your parents and it changes the conversation at the kitchen table. Mm -hmm. You know, sometimes we catch ourselves talking about work when I visit them and you do have to try and take a step back and, yeah connect on a different level and that's tough but it is also on the other hand it's it's amazing to talk about work and and things we have going on so that's really cool your dad's doing that with you and maybe he'll lift uh, your sales next month <laughs> yeah i mean hey it's it's been good recently he's, he's he might be my number one sales guy here shortly <laughs> but but i know what you mean with uh like crossing uh personal and professional lives with your parents so what, what I've found works is, you know, we normally call each other on our cell phones, but we also have an office line for the company and he has an office number and I have an office number. So if I'm calling him about business, I call him on his office line from my office line and we know it's business. And if we call each other on the cell phones, we know it's personal. Tad, so, are you listening? <laughs> I love that. So, so it's clear and like, you know, that allows us to keep like a professional line as well as like a personal line and a dad, you know, son relationship. Yeah. Has he... Has he said he's learned anything from you and your style of business? And Yeah, I think, I think he's amazed at how much we can do uh, remotely and with technology. A lot, of, um, a lot of the work that we do is remote, and um, we, don't, we, I mean, we don't have any paper. Um, you know, there's nothing that we do that's really tangible, so to speak. So I think he's 
kind of starstruck with regards to, you know, kind of the automation and the technology that we use within the business. I think um, it's kind of broadened his horizons in terms of what's possible and how efficiently a small company can run. Yeah, when you think about insurance, I think about a stack of paper. I don't know why. So everything, <laughs> except when I got Michelle's ring insured. I, I forget who I, what company I went through, Jewelers Mutual. Okay. Um, cool. That was a cool process for me, but I guess the business has changed and, and that's where you come into play and you're running it as efficient as possible. Yeah. And I think that's, that's kind of our value proposition and I, you know, our, our clients that have worked with us for a while, that's the value they see in working with us is that we are, we are different than a traditional mom and pop insurance agency that's down the street. Uh, doing business just locally, you know, we're we're licensed in maybe 35 states, and a lot of the business that we do is is remote. Um, and every, you know, we we offer we white label a technology platform uh, for our our clients, and we we specialize, by the way, in uh, employee benefits, setting up like medical, dental, vision, life for the employees of a company, like maybe you know 20 to 200 employees or so. Um, but yeah, that's you know, I think when when I talk with someone for the first time. Uh, that's how we kind of differentiate ourselves. It's kind of a, a young, kind of innovative, more disruptive type insurance agency that's a lot different than maybe, you know, a guy that's 60, 65 years old that's had an agency for 30 years and hasn't really uh, made technology a big part of the day-to-day operation, so to yeah, speak. Yeah, I think that's what's cool to see with these these companies. And like you're running it, I remember looking at your logo and I thought that was pretty innovative. But disrupting industries, I know our our firm was a real estate disruptor. Um, it seems like things are run brand first. Mm-hmm. Um, our business used to be face first. So if people know your face, you're going to get business. Now it's almost run like a talent agency who represents you. You know, in, in the entertainment business, it's CAA. And then your agent works under CAA. So when you say who represents you, you say CAA represents me. Our company, the agency represents me. I think that's a really cool way the business is being run now. Um, and it's... It's clean and simple. Yeah. The so, brand, I think the brand, I mean, that's what I'm finding in business. And that's what we've been kind of focused on more re- recently is because the first sales that we made as a company, we had to really sell, you know, who, who, we, are, who we are personally, who the agency was, and then the product that we're selling. And um, we, we specialize in working with uh, engineering firms, like uh, civil engineering firms, uh, professional engineers. And, you know, there's a, a, a universe of about five to 10,000 firms nationwide. And we're trying to kind of brand our ourselves as like an engineering specialty brokerage. Wow, that's a niche. Um, so like when you when you get in touch with someone, they kind of they know your brand. They're familiar with your brand. You, maybe you've attended their events. They've maybe seen some ads online or something like that. So they're familiar with Aston Sharp. They're familiar with the name. And it's one less thing that you have to. Uh, sell when you're sitting down with someone for the first time. How did you jump into kind of that specialty of engineering companies? Is that something you realize the, their companies have more employees? Is it what's the- yeah? Good question. For me, in and it's not because I've been in a few different niches in in insurance the last eight years. For me, it's try everything under the sun. And 99% of the things are not going to work. And then whatever works, keep doing it. Um, and working with engineering firms is just one of the 1% of things that has worked. And we've just kept doing it. So the way it started was uh, um, uh, I was next door neighbors with uh, Scott St. Clair, director of sales uh, at HealthNet at the time. 
um, who had a guy working underneath him that was working with brokers like myself. And so uh, he basically just told the rep, hey, you know, if you don't mind, like this is a good friend of mine, Gus Altazara, if, uh, if you kind of take him under your wing and kind of help him out. So I, I built a good relationship with this rep and his name is Mike Folds. And um, I remember he came into my office, I think it was January f- like 15th of 2016 or 17, so like three or four years ago. And he said, Gus, I, I, I have an opportunity for you. You have to check this out. And he came into my office. He, he took me to this site called ACEC, American Council Engineering Companies. And he said, you know, this is, this is what you got to start doing. Uh, you know, there's a directory here of 5,000 firms. Um, and there's actually a point of contact um, that is listed under the firm. And uh, he, he had access to special products uh, that only these engineering firms could qualify for. So it's called the ACEC Life Health Trust. It's a, it's a specialty product for engineering firms. Um, and he said, if, hey, if you can get in front of these people uh, or sit down with them or talk with them, um, you know, I have a product that will sell. So essentially, we just started, um, uh, we ran an email marketing campaign first. And then we also, uh, and, and now we do more calls and email marketing and kind of the branding strategy. strategy. But um, we, we made our first sell do, sale doing the engineering uh, clients. And, and then we're like, hey, we got one. Let's just try to get another one and let's get a third one. So it just, it worked once and we kept doing it. Wow, that's a good, a good business. And you, you mentioned one thing, relationships. I wouldn't have thought the insurance business would be wrapped around relationships. So... I think that's key. Is that a way you've built your business? Because I remember a little while ago you had joined a club. Uh, it was called Junto. It, it means together yeah. in, in Spanish. Was networking a part of growing your business? Or is it, is it yeah. just yeah, it getting was. in the office and cold calling and finding a company that, that is a niche like engineering? Well, f- for me... Um I, yeah, most of the business that I've done with the agency has been to people, you know, most of my clients are people that I, I didn't have relationships with before. Uh, not that I don't like doing business with people I know. I, I, I love doing with business with people that I know, but I don't really like marketing mm-hmm. uh, to people that I know. So if people approach me asking for help with their insurance, I'd love to help them, but I, I, don't, I don't really go after them, so to speak. Got so it. all the marketing I do is, is generally to... Uh, more the general public or engineering companies or other you know specialties that we've we've found um wait what was your question again <laughs> <laughs> it's uh oh it was just how networking paid, oh, played oh yeah junto yeah and junto, junto. Um, I remember I, I came so to yeah meeting. so i guess I, I i said that first part because um relationship relationships have meant a lot in terms of building the business internally maybe more so than as clients so like that, that Junto group, um, and it was a, it was a group of, uh, guys and there were a couple girls as well, but it was started in San Diego. Um, it was out of that Lavin program at, at San Diego state. And it was a bunch of guys that all wanted to start their own businesses. And we would meet up every Friday night at 6 PM. Uh, we'd, we'd meet up in a conference room. So normally, you know, one of us guys had access to a conference room, um, and that's, I think that just kind of set the tone for the, the dialogue that Could we were about to have. you imagine if you were meeting in this one? Uh, I know. <laughs> a lot of brainstorming would go on. I would have already been a billionaire by now. <laughs> I know. I, like, I remember I, when you told me it was conference room, I'm like, geez, Friday night, 6 p.m. in a conference room. 
how i hope you guys are going somewhere after that because that's oh, ab- be tough i i know and it was so it was, it was uh, the original junto meeting that i was at there were maybe 10 guys you get there it's from six to eight on a friday night and um you know it's basically everyone's just sharing what they're doing what's working what's not working what they're reading who they're meeting um and like the exponential learning that you that took place in that room was was huge. Um, a guy Parker Harris started it, and it actually is still around today. Uh, but I, I went to it for maybe two years in San Diego before moving up to LA. And um, you know, you 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 start to build relationships with these guys who have very similar mindsets to you that also want to start businesses. Maybe not just in insurance, but. There's a lot of uh, things that are applicable to other businesses that are also applicable to insurance. So, um, so yeah, you guys are flowing on just mindset about even personal health, business, whatever it is. It, and you said it's not that you were trying to network outside of it. It's more internally. Is that something you look for when you're hiring somebody? Is it, you know, they need to have... Yeah, well, I mean, so uh, I just gave... Um, I, I officially, as of this month, actually have two partners in my business. I owned 100% until now, and I, I just gave out uh, equity to my first two partners that I've been working with for five years. Amazing. Congrats. Um, and and uh, I met those two partners in Junto, in San Diego, in 2012 or 13. See, I did not know that, and that's why we're, we're doing this episode. Yeah. And that's wild that that came around, and those are your equity partners. Yeah, so, so it, yeah it, it was just a casual kind of fun but kind of serious conversation around a table in a conference room in San Diego. Uh, and now they're, now they're, they're partners. We're married, so to speak in, in Mm -hmm. business right now. So I wish you luck on the marriage for sure. (laughs) And Uh, you as well. (laughs) Thank you. Well, you've been married, what, two years now? Two years. It's been amazing. I know she's listening. And, and you have a, your baby's due in baby babies due in June. So we're, it's what April, April 21st. We're, we're like on the two month countdown. It's been, pretty wild we've been remodeling our place and michelle has lived through that and then when we started that covid19 hadn't hadn't started yet Mm -hmm. and we've had to complete the work or else we would have been living without bathrooms oh my gosh she's lived through countless people in and out of the house she's quarantined herself and in the baby's room uh, (laughs) on work calls because she's still working and she's on calls after call and she'll pop her head out and go guys please please be quiet like I'm yeah because normally you'd be able to get out of the house but right now you're kind of stuck in quarantine so it's huh? been a fun a fun experience i'm i got a commender for for living through it but it's gonna make life a lot more comfortable and the last seven days we lived out of coolers because we didn't have a refrigerator <laughs> the first one that came oh my gosh wasn't right so that it's been fun we were almost like camping but um, yeah, the baby's coming, and, and it's a it's a girl, right? It's a girl. Wow! So I like, I always I always knew you'd be a girl just mom. Crazy, so. <laughs> crazy to look at you and say a girl dad, a girl dad. Oh, sorry, a girl, a girl dad. I'm excited about about it. We're, Do you have a name yet? We have a couple names in the works, and everyone asks us, and we don't want to play the name game yet with people. Because Got it. So it's it's private until maybe you come out officially. Exactly. So we like the names we have. Hopefully, other people do too. I remember, Phil, we were on the phone, and I kind of figured that you and Michelle were maybe going to have a baby soon. Oh, my gosh. And uh, yes. I was like, so, Phil, like, is, uh, is there a baby on the way? Like, I think you this said, was like, is there a bun in the oven? Yeah. Randomly. Is there... We were talking about something this else. Was, this is, what, six months ago? And you're like, and I was I like, was well, like... are you trying? And you're like, well, we're not not 
trying. Not, not trying. <laughs> and the funny thing is, you called me, and we, I was in front of a lot of people. I was, I forgot what I was doing. So I couldn't say. I would have told you, but it wasn't. A, everyone would have overheard me. That's, so, yeah, it's weird that it was put in the universe, and you already had thought about it. And we had known for at least two months at that point. Yeah, I knew it was inevitable that I was happening at some point. So I'm, you know, I'm going to learn a lot from this. And it's funny that starting this call it podcast series or whatever um i want to be able to connect with people still and um not just get caught up day after day and taking care of my baby and i know everything i learn from you and the next person i talk to i'll apply to uh, my life and i think it's going to be a, a good thing and she'll be able to listen to these yeah episodes and hopefully i'll hide the ones where i'm playing music because <laughs> I know those are accessible. Yeah, no, I think it's great. You get, I mean, it's a free excuse just like for us to connect today. And, uh, and yeah, hopefully you get some uh, good takeaways or tidbits from, from all your guests. And I oh. think it'll just make you and your whole network better because of it, you know? Thank you. I 100% agree. Are there any, maybe like three must routine hacks you do that someone can maybe grab something? Yeah, I think um, like in terms of uh, like running a business or like, growing a business no, just or just life one. hacks. Just your routine, like what do you do every week? Um, for me, yeah, for me, like um, mornings are kind of my my sanctuary. Uh, it's 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 the time of the day where you're not getting a bunch of phone calls, you're not getting a bunch of text messages. Um, you're fresh hopefully you got a good night's sleep so it's like in i think of it my mind is best in the morning um and you know there's there's normally two or three hours maybe before you sit down at your desk and start working that are are really important and i think valuable hours and i think if you don't use those hours wisely uh you'll sit down at your desk and you're not you're not ready to perform so uh, mornings uh i i like reading in the mornings um, I, I've found a lot of like peace in starting my days reading, uh, journaling in the morning, uh, like meditation or prayer in the morning. I, I've found to really kind of center me. Um, it, you know, obviously getting a good workout is great, but you know, just kind of really being intentional with your mornings. And, and I think sometimes it can be difficult to wake up, but I, I, I think the most important day of the week to wake up early is Monday. If you wake up really early on Monday, then it makes it pretty easy to wake up early the other days of the week. So it's just kind of one really difficult day. What time do you usually wake up during the week? Um, as I've been getting older, it's been getting earlier. Um, so right before this COVID thing hit, you know, I was waking up at like 5.20, 5.30. Um, and, and I had a gym trainer that we'd, we'd have uh, with a couple buddies at, at Gold's Gym at 6 a.m. on Monday mornings. Um, so that kind of set the, the bar for or the tone for the week um, and kind of got me going immediately without wasting a second. So in the 5 a.m. club, that's, that's a good club to be a part of. That's good advice. You ran an Ironman. So you are yep. an Ironman, and that is a very small club to be in. I'm surprised you're not wearing your shirt right now, <laughs> but um, you're in your business outfit. Will you give us the story on why you decided to run an Ironman? What drove you to do that? Yeah, I, I, I will. Um, it, it, yeah, I, I didn't just wake up one day and think, oh, it'd be cool to run an Ironman. Uh, I, I started doing triathlons and I absolutely loved it and I couldn't get enough of it. And 
the right opportunity presented itself right when my energy and excitement for the sport was peaking. And uh, there was a team of people that was deciding to train together to do it. And I, I just jumped on board. So, you know, I, I've, I've been a runner. Uh, I mean, I did cross country in high school and then I, I was a lifeguard. So I, I knew how to swim, at least moderately. The only thing I hadn't done much of uh, is, is biking, at least like, um, you know, officially, that so to speak. That might be the easy part of the equation. Yeah. It, yeah. It, it, I guess it's maybe the easiest, but it was my weakest of the three. Got it. Uh, because That's I had, the had done it the least. That's the one you need to become strongest in. Yeah. So, I, so it started, I, I started going to a track workout, and it just was happenstance that the people running the track workout also owned a gym called TriFit that was a triathlon training gym. Um, so all I did was I wanted to start going to some track workouts to start running more. And Gina, the owner of the gym, uh, you know, after a month or two of going to those track workouts was like, Hey, you should come out for a swim. Uh, we do ocean swims on Friday. And I was like, Oh, you know, that sounds kind of nice. Um, so I was like, yeah, I'll, I'll take you up on that. I went to an ocean swim that next Friday. And I remember after I, I, I was, I felt invigorated after that first swim, you know, I'm sure you swam in the ocean too. It feels you know, on a summer day, it feels, feels great. You know, you feel invigorated when you get out of the That's water. That's why we live here. It's the best. So, you know, I was like on cloud nine after my first swim. And I remember Gina came up to me. She's like, so, uh, she didn't even say anything about the swim. She's like, so tomorrow morning we're biking in Malibu and, uh, we have an extra bike. Do you want to come biking tomorrow morning? <laughs> <laughs> so she wasted no time. I was like, yeah, I mean, She's sure. You in. So she kind of sucked me in. And so next thing you know, I, I had, I didn't even know what a triathlon was, but suddenly I was running, I was swimming and I was biking and then there were a couple people doing like an Olympic triathlon. So I don't know if you all know the different sizes of triathlons, but there's, no, it'd be good to know. there's four different sizes. So you got a sprint, which is the smallest. Um, and then you got an Olympic. An Olympic is about twice the size of a sprint. Olympic is, um, about a 0.9 mile swim, a 26 mile bike ride and a four, 10k run so a sprint would be half that um that i was sprint seems like it'd be doable yeah sprint was doable but the first one i did was an olympic the people i knew were doing olympic um so i i, I have i've actually never done a sprint <laughs> why not just hit from the black tees you know? <laughs> why not it's funny that my my dad said every kid he had you know my sisters and then me he said he picked up a new hobby and triathlons were his number one hobby I, maybe because the training it's so difficult that he was always out of the house. Nice. And he used to pull us around on the little triathlon cart behind his bike. Oh, I, oh, I those are the best. So, My parents had one of those too. Yeah, <laughs> I feel like they all did. You're just kind of cruising around. You have nowhere where you're going. So yeah, I, I, it's it's true that I know that that sport you have to train and you gotta have the right shoes. You gotta have the right bike, and you already knew how to swim. What what did you realize quickly that you needed to to learn? Well. Um, I mean, I was, I, I was just having fun. Like I, I didn't really feel like I, I had to learn anything. I wasn't trying to accomplish every, anything. I was just like, uh, you know, 24 year old kid having fun running, swimming and biking and going to it, happy hour after. yeah. And going to happy hour after. And it, it was, I was just having fun. So there were, there were, there was people signing up for Olympic and I was like, yeah, I'll jump on board. You know, I didn't have any expectations for myself with my first triathlon, uh, I remember my buddy Jake Tolliver, uh, shout out to Jake, he, he came to my first race, he was the only one there that I knew in as an audience member, and 
Uh, it was like this little tiny sprint Olympic race. And he brought a bottle of champagne to the, to the finish. And like, everyone was like, why does that guy have a bottle of champagne? Like, yeah, no, it, I mean, it was, it was great. Like, but I, like the euphoria I had and just the excitement, like I loved competing. Uh, I loved exercising and it was like just so invigorating to me to do that. And so I was on cloud nine after finishing that Olympic and uh the way it got to i mean literally i I signed up for the iron man three days after i finished that first triathlon because i found something that i really like i'm just going to lean into it and 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 so right when i had finished that triathlon there was a group at the trifit gym there were eight other people nine including me and everyone was just signing up for this iron man that was nine months out so i think it was like september or october at the time and the Ironman was the following August. So it was like 10 months away. Everyone was just signing up for this race. And I was like, I mean, I guess I'll do it. Shoot. Like, so I, so I signed up. Before? Yeah, the owners had done it before. And they were saying they were going to like put together a plan for us and a training schedule. And, you know, so I, I kind of had, I was very naive for what I was in for when I signed up. Um, but would learn kind of what to do over the next 10 months yeah do you know the stats of how many people have run one or how many people finish an ironman when they start it is is that a known fact um you know i don't, I don't know how many total people there are i, I think in our race there were like 2500 people and maybe about 2000 of them finished so you know maybe 80 percent finished but there were you know there's 500 people that start the race and you know go home without and you have finishing. 15 hours or 24 hours you have 18 hours to finish the race. You start at um, you start at six in the morning. The race starts every Ironman starts at six in the morning, and you have until midnight of that day to finish. Um, so there's 18 hours, and if you don't finish by midnight, it doesn't count as an official finish. <laughs> I feel bad for the people watching. <laughs> That's a <long> <laughs> yeah, my parents flew out. We, the one I did was in uh, Montreal. Uh, it was at a little ski resort called Montremblant. And um, uh, yeah, my parents flew out, which was, it was great to have them there. But I remember uh, that yeah, they were kind of put through the gauntlet a little bit. <laughs> like, yeah, I was trained for the day and it was, I had a tough day, but like, my parents were out there for like 13, 14 hours, you know, and then they might see me like come by on a bike at like 30 miles an hour for like half a second. <laughs> and, then <goodbye. laughs> and then they won't see me for like three more yeah, hours. You're not, you're not grabbing your cell phone to call them. That's no. wild. I know you have that picture of them. I think it's at the race, at the finish line. Mm -hmm. So what got you through the run was, so the, that was wild. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, when you start the run, there's like a, like an initial excitement and then, uh, I hit two lows. There was a low at like mile seven because you're you're already starting to hurt, but you realize you got you know 19 more miles to go. So you're you you hit a low there. At that point in time, like I was, uh, I mean I was taking Advils. I was drinking Coca Cola. Um, I was eating like uh, white bread jelly sandwiches with salt on them. Are you uh, carrying a backpack? Um, you have like a, an, an, a, an, a bag that you leave at mile 13 that you'll get when you, when you're halfway done. And then I had a couple of little pockets on my, on my tri suit that I had a few little goodies in to eat along the way, so to speak. Um, so mile seven was a low and then like, it was mile like 20, like 1920 that were really gnarly. Um, it's kind of just like, 
it, I mean, there's no way, other way to put it. It's just really painful. <laughs> you know, your body hurts. Everything hurts. Like, you're really depleted on energy. You don't really have a lot of, like, sugar. You know, you're just kind of, you're, you're hurting. Um, and, yeah, what I was related to is in kind of that, like, deepest moment of pain, uh, what kind of kept me going was, like, the people in my life. And, you know, it kind of made me realize, like, the reason we do anything, the reason we do business the reason you do this triathlon, you know, like life is all about people. There's not, there's the business doesn't mean any, anything. The you know, nothing really means anything without the people around you to, to share it with. Um, and in, yeah, there, there's no music. You're not listening to anything during that time. And I, I just started thinking about like the people in my life that were closest to me. So I would, I would just like, okay, you know, I'm going to think about my mom for, uh, you know, 30 seconds and, and kind of the time we've spent together and kind of cherish my mom for a minute or two. And then I'm going to switch to my dad and then my brother Cole and then my brother Charlie and then, you know, my other friends and business partners. And like, I would just think about one person at a time for 30 seconds to a minute. And like the joy and like thinking about that person, like kind of would override the pain that I was going through physically. Um, and, and that's kind of what my experience was like the last half of the run was just going through every single person in my life, one at a time, <laughs> thinking about them. Uh, Phil, I, I, I definitely thought about you. <laughs> I'm like sitting here like, I think I asked you that. I think I was, I think I was, I think I was reminiscing our, our, uh, our college or our high school graduation trip to Cancun. <laughs> I thought about that during my Ironman race. <laughs> <laughs> that would get anybody through a race. That um, but hard. but yeah, so you're just you're just going through it, and then you know, by the time you get to the last few miles, uh, your adrenaline kicks in, and there's nothing that can stop you. That's incredible! Wow. So, is anyone able to reach out to you with? questions whether they're buying insurance through their like a huge company like you handle or they just have a question like are you willing to take on any of our friends or any random person listening like yeah give some advice yeah absolutely yeah it where, could be business where can we find you uh instagram I know yeah i'm on instagram. yeah i'm on i have a personal and, and company instagram uh, i think my handle is gustavo alt my personal and then the the business is aston sharp uh, a-s-t-o-n-s-h-a-r-p uh yeah so on instagram uh and then yeah obviously via email phone um you know i'm kind of i'm kind of an open book i love connecting with people and happy to share uh you know any insights to insurance or you know just shoot the shit i love it so um thank you brother that was incredible i'm not even sure how long that just went but uh, <laughs> it is episode one so anything goes yeah thanks for having me phil I, I i like the office i think what you're doing with the podcast is great uh, excited to see where it goes uh you know pod, podcast wise professionally and i'm excited for you and michelle with, with your first baby thank you buddy i appreciate it and uh thank you for all you know our experiences together i will um catch you maybe we'll get you back on here episode 10 if we get there <laughs> <laughs> absolutely let's let's do it all right buddy thanks Take for having care. me phil